I'll go from there. Okay, just grip it and rip it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Broken Oars Indoors, uh, our little kind of sub-segment focusing on indoor rowing, not not just like the whole sport, but like really diving into life on the rowing machine. And uh, I say we have, Aaron, Aaron's going to take issue with the, the we have another interview for you, but uh, interview this week is uh, with James Terrell, um, or the author of the Pain Sled app, which lets you, and this is important, row your way around the Zwift universe. Now, Aaron, you know exactly what I'm talking about here because you love cycling so much, don't you? I totally do. And I, I remember reading all of the Zwift books when I was a child and being transported to magical kingdoms and magical lands where heroes bestrode geography like Colossi, where they slew dragons and they rescued fair damsels and maidens in distress. And there were wisequacking, wisequacking? There were wisequacking dwarf characters who'd been genetically crossed with ducks uh, and all sorts of things. It sounds like the sort of thing that, that I would really like to get back into. You splitting bastard, you, you <laughs> go off to do your solo career with your indoor rower friends it's like Sting leaving the police all over again. Terrible. It's not. It is not Sting leaving the police. It is not Bruce Dickinson heading off to do the Chemical Wedding Day, which was better than just about anything that Iron Maiden had done in years. But no, no. This is. This is. It's worth doing. There's a whole community out there who do rowing. They just do it indoors. And the thing is that James. I would say of all the people I know, and I, I keep my eye on this, he is doing more to expand and enliven that indoor rowing experience than pretty much anyone I know. And he's done this on the back of the Zwift program, which as you non-cyclist out there won't know, is a way that you can take an exercise bike and hook it up to a computer and cycle around an imaginary world created in the mind of Californian computer programmers. Um, and James has created a little app that goes on your phone that lets you join in with the fun while still being on a rowing machine. And, it, and, and this is important. James is not, I'm going to say Catholic in this, I may have got that completely the wrong way around, but he he is actually working to embrace all rowing machines and make them talk to each other in their entirety, which which I think I think is a a fairly noble goal because then we can go to all those people who row on water rowers with their fourteen minute and forty five second five k's and say no, it's not the same. It really isn't the same, mate. I just want to ask, if if we get all of the rowing machines in the world talking to one another, isn't isn't this how Skynet was invented? And isn't this how someone is then sent back from the future to kill us all because we've done something terrible? I, I think this would be a very, very out of breath Skynet. Right. But would be very wouldn't use binary. It, it it would it would count in multiples of one minute and forty-five seconds. Right. Okay. 
So a very out of breath Skynet Terminator, but a very, very fit one once he'd actually recovered. Absolutely. Exceptional yeah. endurance. Yeah. I am somewhat teasing Lewin. Uh, I mean, obviously we aren't splitting up. This isn't, this isn't the end of the band. Um, as everybody knows, it's never the posh Southern ones who leave the group. It's always the Geordie on the make and I haven't actually gone yet. And as with uh, John previously on Broken Oars Indoors, this is another fantastic interview. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for joining us again in the Broken Oars podcast. Um, this is the second of our episodes about indoor rowing, the future of indoor rowing. And I have with me today, James Terrell, who is the author of the Pain Sled app and the Road Biker app. Um, and we'll learn a little bit more about them if you don't already know. But James, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and, you know, what brought you into the sport and how you're living the life that you're living? Uh, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, I love to talk about rowing. Um, we'll try to keep my replies brief, but cut me off if you need to. Um, so my background is uh, in tech. I'm in the United States. So mostly I'm kind of from the Southeast, but moved around Midwest, West Coast. Um, my career's been in tech, working on uh, laptops, desktops, uh, worked on the iPod, worked at a startup that did uh, speech recognition that ended up in Alexa. Um, along the way, I've, I've sort of had a, uh, an interest in fitness kind of from the days I was in college. I literally wrote my first fitness app on an Apple II. Uh, it was a terrible app, um, but I've kind of always had that going along, you know, kind of in the back of my head as something I'm interested in just for myself and, and building tools for others. Um, so at the moment, um, I have a little side project called extra screen and it started out as a, uh, kind of helping with the sort of fitness for couch potatoes, uh, problem that everyone's working on. Um, and it quickly morphed into kind of the opposite of that, which is technology for rowers. And, you know, they tend to not be the couch potatoes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so fitness motivation in general and, you know, having something interesting to do when you're on the old pain sled, um, uh, that was kind of the initial motivation in terms of rowing. I think ju just to sort of like dive into that little um, idea there, this, this idea that, you know, all the fit bits, all the kind of the, the life trackers and things like that, yeah. So is it, is the idea that they're most useful for people who aren't that physically active, but they tend to get most adopted by people who are, is that what happens? Yeah. I, I tend to have some pretty unpopular opinions, I guess, about fitness trackers or I did, you know, back when they were sort of all the rage. Um, and that's actually what pushed me towards the rowing machine was when I started out, you had the Fitbits and the other trackers. And the goal was to sort of, you know, like other people are doing, uh, connect people into sort of a social, authentic fitness experience. You know, if they, you know, you think of the person who's maybe not feeling too good about themselves, they're not in good shape. They're, you know, sitting on their couch watching TV and we've, we've probably all been there. Um, and they're not going to go out to the gym, you know, and 
and sort of face that sort of social, <laughs> the, the weight of, of, of all of that. Um, they need something else to do. And of course, now we have the internet and we have little devices that tell us how we're doing with our fitness and our motion and, and other parameters like that. So, you know, that was sort of the initial thing with ExerScreen was, oh, we'll, we'll take the data from these things and we'll, we'll start working with that. And the thing you figured out, first of all, was that they are walled gardens. Um, you know, the manufacturers keep the data all to themselves and they want you to, you know, use their device with their apps, you know, and, and their experiences. Um, so that was the first problem. And uh, the second thing was that it just ended up not being, the data was not authentic, even when you could get it. Um, you've probably heard the stories of, you know, you know, a company offers $20 a month off your insurance or something if you wear a Fitbit and, you know, move a certain amount. And suddenly there's all these reports of data about, you know, Fitbits racing around two feet off the ground, making cornering moves that no human could ever do. And, you know, it's like, yeah, they're putting on their dog's collar every night and, you know, getting their $20 a month. And that's kind of that. Um, and so the model was, people would buy a Fitbit for their spouse who, or whatever, who they were worried about, you know, they were like, you're not in good shape, but, you know, and here's this thing that's supposed to help and they'll try it for a couple of weeks and it ends up in the, in the drawer. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, from that, you know, I, I looked around and I had just gotten into rowing kind of a few years before that. And, you know, the concept two, is instrumented and it is open and you can get at the data. So I sort of retrenched by heading in that direction. Um, and that's kind of the connection there from uh, kind of the broader thing down to the very narrow, you know, indoor rowing type of market. Okay. What, what, what sort of brought you into rowing? What was the, what was the impetus to go, going in that direction other, other than kind of like the, the software availability on the DT? Yeah. So the rowing came about, um, I refer to myself as an adult onset rower. Um, uh, I've noticed rowing tends to, I don't know if it's a, a mental thing or a disease, but it's quite addictive, uh, near as I can tell, that people are very passionate about it. Um, but I was always a runner. And frankly, I never had a runner's body. I'm like 6'4 and 110 you know, kg. So that was not going to work out long term anyhow but as it turned out uh, back around 2008 i believe i had upped my mileage and i added in some debt long downhills on pavement i ended up stress fracturing my foot basically okay. and so you know dead stop and uh I, again i'm sure everyone's experienced this you have an injury or something and you're still eating like you're going 70 miles a week and you're not going any miles a week and you start to get a little desperate and I live on a, uh, uh, Lake Wiley here next to Charlotte in uh, the U S and they, their Catawba yacht club here had a indoor rowing, uh, or sorry, a, uh, actually on water rowing, uh, learn to row class, which I somehow randomly came across. I'm, I'm not even sure how it happened. Um, and I grew up on, on water. I love boats, anything, you know, having to do with boats and water. So, I was kind of like, that seemed like a good thing. So tried it out, loved it, uh, got my kids to do it. Um, it turned out to be a, a wonderful youth sport experience for the family. Uh, I was pretty much hooked after that. Cool. Um, and then of 
course, the thing that comes along with the on-water rowing is they introduce you to these machine thingies during the winter. And, uh, you know, you're kind of like, hmm. <laughs> so that was the connection to the old indoor rowers. Um, in fact, the, uh, the name of my app, Paint Sled, was uh, an old Concept2 Model B that they had sitting around that they would, um, for the youth team, if you showed up last, that's the one you had to use. You didn't get okay, the nice. Right. So, so, I mean, that that's that's genuinely the one that's with the one. Like, open fan cage and like the tiny little monitor. Yeah, yeah. And the, the kids called it the paint sled. Fair and, enough. Uh, so I didn't have a rower and I ended up borrowing that one and putting several million meters in on it. So, you know, I had quite a relationship with that thing. Um, <laughs> uh, for better or worse. And um, that's kind of where that, you know, the whole pain sled thing started. Cool, so tell, tell us about, I mean, I, I've tried out the, the, the pain sled app because I love Zwift, but, but tell us about the app. Um, tell us what it lets you do. Yeah, so the original pain sled was just, it was literally a Chrome uh, extension. Um, because they let you get out the USB, um, and that that app is still out there. They keep saying they're going to shut down all the Chrome extension apps, but it's still hanging around. There's it's okay. still got 100 weekly users apparently. Um, that was in 2015. Um, eventually ported it to iOS, um, which is the one that's been around kind of the longest in terms of an application. So that was 2018 or so, I think was the last release of um, the iOS app. Um, and the, the point of those apps was simply to, um, it was kind of aimed at, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a data nerd and there was a lot of data inside the Concept2 monitor that you, you kind of couldn't get at very easily. Uh -huh. That was something I was interested in. And I knew some other folks had been kind of talking about it in, in the rowing team. So the pain sled app essentially let you pull every scrap of data out of that monitor, cool. export it in several types of formats. So you could do whatever you wanted to do with it after that. Um, it did have a, you know, it could sync to Strava and Concept2 and Training Peaks and, you know, all those types of things uh, kind of automatically. So it, you know, kind of smoothed out that user experience. Um, but primarily, you know, aimed at those of us who wanted to do kind of data collection and analytics, I guess. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I'm fully aware that I'm, I'm about to get into the weeds and sort of like possibly lose listeners here, but, um, this is, the, this is kind of the things that I love about, um, indoor rowing. What, what sort of data were you pulling out of? of the concept too. What, what was it that you can't get from the monitor that, that you said, right, I, I want to look at this. I want to look at this. So um, off the top of my head, um, there were things like um, your, uh, your rating. So we have a, there's a, there's a, one of the rower kind of senior rowers, I'll call him at the club who doesn't like indoor rowers at all. Cause he thinks it messes up your on water form. Cause you mm -hmm. mess up slide ratio or whatever right so i was like okay we can pull that out right so now i have a number on there and it says here's your ratio um so i call it the fill number um so, sorry I, i'm i'm just going to emphasize that point you so in pain sled you have got a you, you've got a metric for 
drive to recovery ratio. Yeah. So it'll be like um, if you're doing exactly two to one, you know, sort of slide to drive, it'll just yep. say two. Um, I usually, I think I usually end up somewhere around 2.3 to 2.5. I don't know. I don't even really know what's supposed to be ideal if there is such a thing, but um, I just know it's probably not supposed to be one-to-one. -one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes, it depends how fast you go. I mean, I've been watching the Olympics. This oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so, so some of the single scholars, I think, would <laughs> be like, no, no, one-to-one's fine. You know, it's like backwards and forwards. Let's just, let's just time on slide is time wasted. Yeah. Um, definitely at the start, and if you're sprinting at the end, I definitely think it gets into that range, although I've never tried to figure that out specifically. Cool. Um, I, mean, I, I would say that, I mean, for an indoor rowing app, just like that one thing, that one metric, I'm yeah. really surprised that's like every kind of water rowing club out there is demanding their, that their athletes get pain sled, row with pain sled, get the, you know, get the ratio metric up and stick to it. Um, because, the, you know, that's a that that's a real thing that people do worry about yeah um and there's a lot of other stuff they have buried in there like your they estimate your drive length and um they do have some artificial things they create on top of the stroke rating which is, i'm sorry the um the split time which of course is an artificial number but yeah. on, on top of that they build some other kind of useful things like you know, how many meters are you traveling on average per stroke for each stroke? So you can kind of tell, you know, what your efficiency is versus your rating and things like that. Um, there are some folks who've done, uh, taken it farther, um, Evert Rosendahl, um, rosendahl.com, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's R-O-W-S-N-D-A-L.com. He, he imports the, the CSV data from pain sled turns it into a bunch of graphs and metrics and things. Cool. Um, other, I know other people are doing stuff like that with it. So it's sort of a, you know, it's a data connector, data collection. You know, that was the initial vision uh, kind of for that app. Um, and then it sort of uh, morphed uh, beyond that. <laughs> that. Okay, so that is, that's fairly awesome. Um, so... I mean, the, I mean, the, the other killer app of Pain Sled is what it lets you do with Zip, Zwift as well. Right. So, I mean, where, where did where did that idea come from, and sort of like, was it as obvious and simple as it <laughs> it, it should have been, or <laughs> no? Um, it was not simple. <laughs> Um, so the, the step after data collection and sort of servicing the data nerd market, I'm in a growing data nerds, I guess, and, and it, I am one of those, so that's not a pejorative. Um, the, uh, the thing to do after that was to get things connected, um, and sort of move in the direction of social workouts and rowing is ideal for this. I mean, you're already used to being you know, strapped into a shell with seven other rowers and a small, loud person telling you what to do. Um, it's, a, it's a natural for a, a, a social 
kind of fitness uh, virtual experience, I guess. Um, but doing this as a side project, there's no way I was going to go off and, you know, go build a game like Zwift or something like that. Um, that just wasn't going to happen. And so being the, the world's laziest engineer that I am, um, obviously I looked around, I was like, oh, the cyclists have all this cool stuff. Why can't I just row with that? Um, and the answer was, well, because your rower's not connected and there's not a way to connect it. Okay. So, so paint sled, I did my first experiment, experiment and a lot of people still use paint sled as their main, you know, way to row with Zwift because it has the other data collection, you know, stuff, um, was to go ahead and add in emulation of cycling trainers. So essentially it's, it's taking in the data from the indoor rower, um, usually a concept two, and converting it into the Bluetooth uh, cycling power meter or one of the other cycling uh, trainer protocols that Zwift and other cycling apps, you know, know how to talk to. So at that point, you can, uh, you're, you're essentially sending over wattage and cadence. That's kind of the main two things. And really wattage is the main thing. Um, and so you pull on the handle and the little bike person starts to move. And I was kind of like, okay, that's cool. Um, at that point, it became pretty obvious that there is uh, a lot of advantages to being a cyclist when you're in a virtual video game. One of the main ones is you can use your hands. Um, <laughs> and in particular, when you need a drink of water or something like that, you don't uh, drop out of the Peloton immediately because your you know, wattage drops off. So um, I started having ideas for ways to sort of mitigate those issues when you're on a rower, make it easier to use essentially cycling games. Um, I didn't want to put all those into paint sled because it really was targeted at rowers. And this was a kind of a market experiment, if you will, or a product experiment. Um, so I essentially forked paint sled into uh, the road biker app um, and decided to use that as sort of my laboratory application to figure out, you know, what's the best way you could ever uh, use your indoor rower with an application like Zwift. Cool. And so Road Biker has some other stuff in it. It's got a cruise control where it'll hold your power while you're getting a drink or whatever. It'll, it has a little power bank. If you're feeling guilty about that, you know, if that feels like cheating, it'll tell you how much, how much watts you got to do to, you know, zero out your power bank. Cool. Um, and uh, it's got some other features that are really aimed directly at using these cycling apps. Um, it also works with a few other apps. Um, and also with Road Biker, that's when I went ahead and supported some of the other rowers, like uh, the water rower. Okay. And so, I mean, that presumably means that you've taken a, a real sort of deep dive into how concept twos and other rowers compare yeah <laughs> yep. and how do they compare i mean how does how does a water rower compare to a concept two as a rower as a as a data yeah. production machine as etc yeah so i guess leaving all the um there's obviously some ergonomic differences um where folks have their preferences, you know, they want to see wood or in their living room instead of metal or something like that. 
Um, and then there's a little bit of a difference in terms of the amount, you know, amount of noise they make and the type of noise they make, mm -hmm. which can be important for some folks. Um, you know, going beyond all that and just what can you get out of the thing and how does it work as a fitness tool? Um, the, uh, the concept too is, is more accurate and machine to machine accurate, which is kind of the important thing yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I do think the, the C2 gets put on a, pe a pedestal a little more than it should. And if you, you Google around, you'll find, you know, studies on, you know, some of the ways it's not necessarily absolutely accurate and, you know, tracking every single watt, but by and large, it's one of the most, you know, accurate in terms of repeatability across machines, you know, type of device out there. Um, a machine like the water rower is not really based on a kind of a, a as rigorous of a physics model in terms of how they derive the wattage. Cool. Um, okay. So probably, you know, people are going to be frustrated when they, you know, if you had a, a C2 and a water rower, you know, you never, the, the person on the C2 is never going to know, feel right about getting beat by a water rower ever. <laughs> um, yes. Because it's like, how much did you put in the tank, you know, and the fact that it's sort of guessing at the wattage anyhow on top of that, um, you know, there's that tension there. Um, now, let me back up and say, if you have a water rower and you leave the water level alone and whatnot, yeah, it may it may be kind of off in terms of the you know the number of watts it's saying you're doing. But if you're just using that machine and it's your your primary fitness you know rower, it's going to be just fine for training for personal training because you're just looking at you know your improvement over time and it's it's perfectly okay for that. Um, and, and so basically, it gives you a workout. And absolutely, yeah. Um, I will say the water rowers, what I've heard and I've experienced it a little bit with the one I have is, um, you know, I'm not a super awesome rower or anything. Um, you do tend to top out. I feel like uh, you run out of headroom if you're trying to push a lot of watts, in my opinion. It could be my sucky technique. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, we have definitely, you know, we're, we're working on solutions, you know, we're actually working on a smart rowing handle, um, which we have almost in beta now, which we're intending to use to kind of solve that problem, not just for water rowers, but um, even the like fairly cheap magnetic rowers and things like that. And let's talk about the cheap rowers. Um, they really are cheap. They really are pretty bad. I don't know if you've ever been on one. Um, yes in a hotel gym in France, it no longer works. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 was, I was about 32 and I was capable of like doing a 613 2K at the time. <laughs> I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna do like five by one minute maximum because you know, I'm here, I'm here on work and yeah, it, so something went wrong in there and I just like didn't mention it to anyone. So no. if that particular hotel in Paris is listing. I don't think they will be, but I'm very sorry. I'm just happy to hear that somebody put the pain on the sled for change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've got a, I've gotten a, you know, one or two of the $150 off of Craigslist rowers so I can test with them. Um, 
if you're an on-water rower or somebody who's done CrossFit or, or you've encountered C2s or water rowers even, yeah, you're not going to like them. They're not, they're not like great. But again, going back to the couch potatoes, you know what, if that's the rower you bought and you're sitting there looking at it and it's like, this is no fun. I don't like looking at the wall. I'm tired of listening to music and watching TV, you know, I want to be able to give you a way to connect it and sort of get into a social fitness experience um, with other folks, no matter what rower they happen to have. Um, hopefully you'll move on to, you know, a different piece of, you'll get a little inspired and maybe if you have enough money or whatever, you can, you can get a, maybe a more capable rower as you go along. But um, the fact is right now, the, the number of people who have these devices is pretty small. Um, and it's, you know, nowhere to go but up as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, if, if we if we look at this idea of kind of zwifting on the ergo, I mean, what 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 made you think right? Okay, this is this is a really good idea. Was it the social thing or just the interest thing? You know, what what is a, a user really going to gain from that? What have you gained from it? Yeah. So. Um... To be clear, I still haven't decided if it's a really good idea or not. <laughs> um, it was a stopgap. It was a, it was a, I want social rowing. There are no social rowing platforms that really are getting it, you know, and Zwift really is the only platform so far that has managed to get a critical mass of users. And that's the thing you gotta have. You, you've gotta be able to go into that app any time of the day and have people around or be able to set up a meetup or join a race or whatever it is you like to do. You cannot go in there and be the only person on the road. That's just not going to work. You might as well look at the wall. Yeah. Um, and so they've got that. Um, some of their competitors, you know, are, are getting there kind of, um, but they have that right now and they, you know, they've had it for several years now. Um, and so that's really it. And, the after that the uh, sort of the the mental boundary you have to cross is um, sort of that being very parochial about your sport and you know kind of treating it like well I want a training tool that's just for rowing and I want to look like a rower and I'm going to be doing what rowers do you know if you want that you're going to have to wait a little while yeah I mean th- I think there there are things out there I mean there, there was those RoPro has been around for a long time. There's EXR, which kind of is a pretty version of RoPro. Yep. But, um, and as much as I love RoPro for a long time, it was always kind of that, there was that certain, you know, there was that limit that you could absolutely, unless you were going on at the 8.30 GMT GenFit session, yeah. you, you'd probably be the only person there unless you specifically went to great efforts to say to other people you knew, we are going on at this time. Right. And And then I I think there was another thing that if there was like the smallest size difference or, or power difference between you and someone else that you were planning to row with, Oh, yeah. in 10 minutes you'd be rowing by yourself you couldn't yeah. see them yeah 
That's a really good point. Um, so let's talk about the gamification of fitness, okay? Indeed. So if you look at Zwift as nothing more than a video game that you're playing with your, your rower as the controller, um, then it works, um, in my opinion. Um, if you just look at it and go, oh, I'm this cyclist person, kind of like in Mario Kart, you're sitting in a tiny little go-kart or whatever, right? So I'm the cyclist person and I pull on this handle and the person moves. Okay, cool. So what happens beyond that? Well, they've, they've got all the usual gamification things like levels that you can level up and little badges you can get and all that stuff that, you know, I love to collect, you know, and, and I know lots of other people love to do that stuff, you know, when they're gaming. Um, so from a pure gaming aspect, there's all that stuff and they've got it. Um, on the social fitness side, that's where it gets interesting. Um, because if you think about cycling, and this is not to, you know, dump on rowing or anything, cycling is just a pretty good uh, game to play, let's say. It's a good fitness game in terms of social uh, interaction. Um, and rowing has some advantages too that I, I mentioned, but let's talk about the cycling game advantages. Um, so as a group, when you're in a Peloton, you have the draft dynamics, right? So yeah. like you say, if there's a power difference in rowing, you're just gone. Yes. Uh, I can hang with, um, on the flats, these, these guys who are way, way better than me in real life. Um, but they just happen to be small and they don't push a lot of Watts. So they're really great climbers, but on the flats, I'm a big guy and I push a lot of air and, and Watts and I can hang with them, especially if I draft. Right. Um, so I can play the game and there's an interesting dynamic there where, you know, if they take off, I got to go hard and stay with the draft. Otherwise I get dropped. And then there's this whole concept that we hopefully don't have in rowing known as uphill and downhill. Um, <laughs> where, uh, yeah, if, if you're going downhill on the river, you're probably about to have a very bad day. Um, the, uh, all the dynamics associated with climbing and then the fact that you can coast down a hill, which is awesome. Um, and then they have worked in, to, to your point, the concepts of power matching. So if you're in a group workout, <clears throat> um, you're all working towards the same power levels as a percentage of your, your FTP level. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if the person next to you is a class A and you're a class D. Uh, when it says go 90%, you're both working hard. That's the concept, right? Yeah. And so when you're in a workout like that, you want to know, you want to know that the person to the left and to the right is sort of working as hard as you and you don't want to be by yourself. And then, you know, that's to your point. I think that's, that's a big deal um, for people who like social fitness and kind of online connected fitness. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's like the, that's the spin class idea is that <laughs> when, when the instructor says, everybody go for it now, you know, crank up the gear, spin at 110 revs you can have on one side of you you can have a 55 year old lady who weighs 60 kilograms and on the other side of you you've got an olympic uh sprint cyclist and they're both dying that i mean it, it's that sort of idea isn't it that everybody is in the same cave <laughs> Yeah, everyone's vision is blurring at the same time. It's great. Yeah. <laughs>
So, okay. So, so I mean, it, it is that kind of, it's focusing on that social element, the, um, it's just got game. There's game elements there. Yeah. There's, there's things you can play at the end of the day. Um, so, so, so it's more than just like kind of the, you know, the, the thing about rowing or an indoor rowing, I think in particular is that there is one dimension there there's, there's Watts. And that's the only control you've got almost in, you know, on un, under current circumstances, whereas at least in Zwift, you've got Watts weight and their algorithm for drag. Yeah. Yeah. The draft and, and then the social constructs that come along with cycling. Like I've learned all sorts of about stuff about cycling. I have no business knowing because I'm never going to be out there on a road bike ever. Um, but the whole concept of, of sweepers and helping people get back up into the Peloton and just stuff like that, that just really is, is, is really nice in terms of a social experience. Um, cause you're literally helping, you know, the weaker cyclists get back up into the Peloton and, um, things like that. Right. Um, so with Zwift actually talked, you know, they talked about adding rowing for a while and there's even a, a start arch. I don't know if you've seen, you've seen it. It's out in the water when you're crossing the, uh, the, uh, dirt road in, in the Marina. I, I haven't, no, I haven't it, 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 in Watopia. Yep. So if you're headed towards, uh, you're in Watopia, you're going across the bridge in the Marina headed up towards the uh, Italian village. If you look over to your right out in the water, there's that big round thing, which is sort of the, the, the place where the road goes, you know, under the water down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You will see a start gate out there in the water. Okay, um, cool. Pen, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, clearly I haven't been paying enough. And I, well, staring it's not easy. you don't know what you're looking at. You're not going to see it. Um, but all the, all the folks on, you know, like the Facebook Zwift rowing Facebook thing were always like, is it going to go away? Is it going to stay there? You know? Um, but they, um, I mean, my whole take on it on rowing as a virtual sport is that there's this level that everyone starts at, which is rowing a single. And I love rowing. I love it way more than cycling. I'm always going to be a rower. I will probably only ever cycle like casually as a mountain biker or something, right? Just to be level set. But frankly, the idea of sitting in a game, looking backwards by myself, going slow, you know, not interesting compared to the game that is cycling and or any other artificial game somebody may come up with for fitness, right? Yeah. Um, but, and, and that's where every, all these games start out at, which I think is kind of fatal. Um, I think me personally, if you went straight to you're in a quad or an eight and you have a coxswain, let's say real or virtual, um, to me, all of a sudden it's way more interesting. You know, you're still, you know, kind of facing backwards and it's still flat and whatever. Um, but once you have a, a team there, um, I think that would probably give it a, a chance at least. And then I think if you're clever about it, you'll go in and add some game elements that are not very rowing like, you know, you know, in order to jazz it up probably. So, so that, that kind of idea of the, the synchronization 
that's required in water rowing, bringing that into um, indoor rowing? Yeah. Um, even just as simple as um, uh, just combining your watts, right? It's, it's almost the Peloton idea, only it's taken to the nth degree in a rowing shell because you're, you know, attached. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, I can, if I'm a club rower, and to be fair, there's not that many club rowers, but, you know, relative to the human population, but at that point, you at least are able to go to teams and stuff and say, you know, kind of get a toehold by saying, look, you know, winter training, you can just send people off by themselves and pull on a handle, or you can have them be in the boats they're normally in, see what their boat wattage is, you know, let them race each other if you want to, or go cruising around, you know, past the volcano in Watopia or whatnot. Um, uh, there may be something there. Well, the the couple of times I've tried it, I've, I've found it very, very satisfying. The, the, the only problem is that I've just been trying it this week and I've been frankly disrupted with staying up late or getting up early, depending on how it is for the Olympic rowing. And I haven't, I've, I've been profoundly not concentrating on numerous other things. Um, so I only spent, I think I've only spent about 20 minutes on it and I haven't, I haven't got the full thing. I haven't got that idea of just like kind of going forward up, as you say, through the Italian village, right up um, the big summit finish through past the dinosaurs, past mm -hmm. the bear that's falling off the tree. Um, and all these little Easter eggs that I absolutely love in Swift um, that just make it basically such an enjoyable experience to do. Um, but okay, he, here's the question. Do you think that taking the pain sled out, getting in there with Interswift as an indoor rower, is that going to make you a better indoor rower? Or is that going to make you an indoor rower who's having more fun? <laughs> First, I would ask, is there a difference for some people? <laughs> No, that's that's an absolutely brilliant question. I mean, it's just like, I'm, you know, as as much as I kind of love the data side of things, um, for me, I got into rowing through indoor rowing. I, I started just like having a vague idea, having been to a rowing school, mm -hmm. but never having rowed. So I kind of knew what you were meant to do on an indoor rower. I knew you weren't meant to lift the handle over the knees. Um, and I just loved the fact that there was a metric and you could make it go faster. And then I found out about the fact that there are other people who do this at the same time as you and you can beat them. And I love that idea. Um, but that I recognize, I kind of like represent a very, very small fraction at the far right hand end of a, the curve of a, kind of like the desire to compete against others. Um, but this idea of being better or just actually having more fun, that's, that's a very important question. Yeah. So I guess that, that brings up the whole question of sort of the different goals that people have. Um, so like you say, um, competition is definitely one of them. 
Um, on the other end is just general fitness, people who just want to be, you know, get their CV fitness up or, or whatever. Um, and then all sorts of shades in the middle. Um, so I'll, I'll answer the training question. Um, and this is going to be based on hearsay from my users. Um, I don't consider myself a heavy trainer, although I am going through the Zwift um, build me up, actually the 12, 12 week course actually right now. Um, and what I, I guess what I will say as a rower using a cycling tool to train, you do have to, you know, keep in mind what your personal goals are. Um, I'll, I'll use an example. Um, when I started, um, at the rowing club, everyone's always talking about their 2k time, right? Yep. And, and I'm like, okay, this, this sounds like a thing. So I did a 2k on my own. Um, I was like, Oh, that sucks. Um, <laughs> and after a while, you know, they wanted to race and we we're going to go to some regattas and race and the distances were all one K because it was masters. And I was like, why are you, why do you guys care about two K? You're not racing that you're racing one K. You should be training for that. You know, what's your one K time? Nobody knew. <laughs> and so cycling using a cycling app for rowing trainer, just goes beyond that, that problem, because you have to think about, well, cyclists, you know, unless they're doing the indoor track thing, they tend to do these three or four hour, you know, races or whatever. And the rowers are doing these drag races, you know, that are over in six minutes, um, or maybe head races in the fall that are, you know, take 15 or 20 or whatever. Um, and so if you keep that in mind, um, you absolutely can use it, in my opinion, as an effective training tool because watts and heart rate are the same no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I've built my own workouts based off of, you know, the workouts I've heard from coaches, right? The rowing workouts. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Pyramids and things like that. Um, it turns out the cyclists have the same things. They just tend to be a lot longer. Um the other thing for me personally was I am a, a singles rower almost entirely, and I do really long rows relative to everyone else at, at my particular club. I will go out for two or three hours. Oh, and, and I just like boating, right? And yeah. to me, it's freedom. It's just I can get in this thing. I can go anywhere I want on this lake. The lake's 40 miles long, and I don't go 40 miles typically. Let's be clear. <laughs> Um, but it's not, it's not like you're on a kayak or something where you're going kind of slow, right? You can get yeah, in a single, yeah, yeah. just go tearing around. And I just love that. Right. Um, so that's my jam. Um, so the cycling stuff actually probably works out better for me than it does for some people. Yeah. Um, but they absolutely, it absolutely can be used as a training tool for, uh, any length of power you want to work on. If it's your six minute power, your 20 minute power, whatever it is. There's workouts in there for doing that, and they will kick your ass. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and, okay, so as, as someone who's absolutely at the sharp end of this, I mean, it's something I'm fascinated by, but, and, and you've done things for both. The future of indoor rowing and online exercise, is it, is it all going to be focused towards the gamification and the socialization or are, 
or are basically the competitive rowers going to take over and they're just going to be trying to drill into ever more accurate measurement and statistical recording i mean who, who who's going to come who, who's going to win the battle between the, the competitors and the casual i just want to have fun in my workout yeah i mean if you you, you scan the Zwift forums you will you will see that they're absolutely you know wrestling with that very key problem which is um balancing the the performance and the competitive um folks who like to do that with like you say uh folks who are more into general fitness and the social the social fitness and they're sort of trying to get to a better place in their life yeah um, times um and servicing both of those markets at exactly the same time uh, you if you go through the Zwift history, you will see, you know, the, all the aspects of that. Um, with that said, there's, there's the fitness market, the, the online social fitness market is definitely starting to clarify, you know, some of the, the types of products that, that fitness users like. Um, so some people really like the, the virtual spin class, like a Peloton yeah. uh, type they really like that. Um, that just that works for them. Some folks like the the competition um, and having a platform that does that accurately and in a valid way is, is very important. Um, and some people like to go off on their own or maybe set up their own groups and they just like playing the game. They just like yeah. like get the next level or get the next badge or, Oh, there's some new routes to try out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go collect those today or whatever. Um, I think a fitness platform, uh, Zwift is trying to do all of it other than they haven't done the Peloton thing yet. I don't know that they're going to go that direction, but, um, the, um, I think the answer is going to be probably the general fitness, uh, market is probably going to be the biggest one. Cool. And, I've always sort of thrown around the, the phrase Fortnite for fitness. And I know other people have, and basically it hasn't happened yet. Um, I know Zwift sort of claim they are, but they're not in terms of users. They're just, they're microscopic. So again, um, if, if I have normie listeners out there, um, I'm really sorry, but so you're thinking of like the Fortnite model where you have, Essentially, you have really kind of short, intense well, social games, or are you, are you thinking more of like World of Warhammer? I'm talking not the game itself, but more the um, the size of the market. And okay. the, uh, so if you think, uh, if, I mean, you could actually make the comment that anyone who plays Fortnite or any video game is probably a candidate for fitness as well, because they're spending a lot of time sitting around looking at a screen. Um, just the sheer number of people who play a game like that um, compared to a fitness app like Zwift, it, it just dwarfs it, right? Yeah. But if you look at it, you can say that's where it can go someday. Yeah. Um, if you can make a product that's engaging 
easy enough to do. And by the way, you're, you're at the beginning of your, your Zwift's journey, it sounds like, and Zwift is not easy to get onboarded into. Um, and the fact that you're doing on a rower and you got pain sled and everything in the middle of it probably doesn't help. Um, so there's a whole lot of UX and onboarding and, and probably gamification that has to happen before there's truly a Fortnite for fitness. But if you want to think about where fitness is going, that's where it's got to go. That's, that's the people who need it. So, so it is for the general user. It's for people who want to have fun getting fit. It's not actually for the guys who are kind of like competitive in a specific sport. Well, I honestly don't know that because it may be that a large number of those people are also interested in competition, right? And yeah. certainly if you're playing Fortnite, you're, you're a little interested in competition. Yeah. That's um, right. So it may actually turn out that you end up getting a lot more people than there are now who are interested in the competitive aspect. Um, because right now that's being fed by let's, you know, talking about indoor rowers, but it's the same for cycling. It's being fed by people who in real life are interested in competition more or less. And there's just not that many of them. Um, yeah. Especially for rowing. Whereas if you start to come at it from, here's a bunch of people playing video, you're used to playing video games. They like gamification. They like competitive video gaming in a sense, even though, you know, it might be casual. They're not going to think twice about, you know, if you drop them into a fitness experience with a bunch of other people and say, here's your team, here's how the game works, you know, here's our objective, let's go win. All of a sudden, you may find out you got a bunch of people coming the other direction going, I love this indoor rowing thing. I wonder what a real rowing shell is like, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, on on that idea, this, this like crossover between, so indoor rowing, it goes really in fits and starts in the UK, but indoor rowing has actually been seen as kind of, I think you mentioned it, a gateway drug into, into rowing. Um, and that was, that happened very much in the early part of this century. I think, um, I think it might be happening a little bit more now. So you're getting people who are going to CrossFit, um, people who are rowing online, um, or a part of an online indoor rowing community but through the pandemic are suddenly thinking, oh, what can I, can I do this on, can I do this outdoors? Um, but if we take indoor rowing and we put it into a virtual environment and we get the social aspect in there and we get game it's like complexities of gamification so there's like a synchronization and there's a skill level and possibly you get power up so you can actually if you spend enough time you can row beyond your level or i can throw red shells at the a boat that's beating me <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> all the, yeah i mean all those kind of things that if we get to a point where we're making indoor rowing more interesting, more challenging and more fair than on the water rowing, is there a danger that indoor rowing will actually start eclipsing water rowing 
and it will go the other way, that there will be a flow of people from water rowing to indoor rowing? Um, I mean, water rowing people already, I think as far as, as far as I'm aware, they tend to already are, you know, use indoor rowing, at least during yeah. the winter if they're competitive. Um, so the other direction is probably the only direction it will end up going. Um, and I do think in terms of sheer numbers, you're just going to have, if you don't already, you've got way more indoor rowers than you, you do on water folks, just because of the fact of, you know, you can spend 700 bucks or 900 bucks to whatever. And a C2 shows up, you know, versus uh, having to find a club and join it and get on a schedule and learn how to row and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I imagine it'll, um, just by the sheer nature of, of the numbers. Um, and like you say, when, you know, when CrossFit hit and all of a sudden everyone was like, Oh, there's, there's this machine I row on at the gym. Is that like, you know, Oh, you're a real rower. You know, they'll say, they'll be like, you know, is that like this, you know, and they're interested. Um, the folks who, uh, in my experience, at least, um, from my users, the folks who have never been in a rowing shell and never may never ever be in a rowing shell. Um, they're just using their, their rower for fitness or whatever. They're, you know, very interested in how things are done on the water, you know, in yeah. real life, even though they may never do it. It's kind of like me with road cycling. I know all these terms now and I watch the Tour de France and I know what's going on. I'm never going to do that ever, but I'm interested in it because I've, you know, I've been fooling around with this Zwift thing. Um, and I, I think the same thing is going to happen um, when people use an indoor rower. Um, it's based on something. They're going to be interested in that something. And the games they're playing are going to be based on that something, which is on water rowing, more or less. And I think they'll just naturally be, be drawn to it as, you know, even if it's only to learn about it and sort of get into the culture. But I do think a lot of people, you know, there's just going to be a lot more people out there when Catawba Yacht Club here on Lake Wiley in Charlotte puts out their little annual notice, we're having our learn to row, you know, all of a sudden they're going to get inundated, you know, going forward. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, yeah, I want to try that. I want to see how that works. Yeah. So, so it, it, water rowing should not be afraid about the gamification. No, no, absolutely not. Um, well, Thank you very much, James. I mean, I, I just want to touch on one thing, and and you, and you said that your that you this isn't like your your field of expertise, but um, when we spoke earlier, you told me kind of the story uh, or a little bit about the story of women's elite rowing in the U.S. and how it's kind of very much changed the balance of power between the sexes in rowing in the U.S all through the Title 19 mechanism. So do you, do you think, just as an aside, you could just like fill the listeners in on that and and the effects it's had? Uh, sure. And yeah, like I told you, I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, and I'm, I'm probably going to say some stuff that's not actually correct. But this is sort of, you know, the what I've heard as a rowing parent, uh, um, both of my boys went through the youth team here and just, and you know, 
looking at the news as it comes through from U.S. rowing and whatever. Um, but in essence, um, I guess if you're not in the U.S., the summary of Title 19 was that um, public universities needed to spend the same amount of money on women's sports as they were spending on uh, men's sports. Yep. And so here in the southeastern United States, American football is basically religion um, and probably the main religion, or at least it was. Um, and so we have these, you know, these large colleges, universities that some folks refer to as football factories um, who were spending tons of money um, on this sport, uh, essentially as an amateur or a, an entry league, you know, to the, to the professional leagues or whatever. Um, so when Title 19 came along, um, suddenly the, they were faced with this issue of we're spending all this money on men's sports. We got to find a way to spend the same amount somehow on women. And so, you know, they're looking around and going, well, okay, we can have a lacrosse team. You know, what does a lacrosse racket cost? You know, what does the net cost? <laughs> and it wasn't adding up. Um, compared to, you know, the stadiums and all the stuff they had for American football. Um, and so apparently they they all suddenly discovered, oh, there's this thing called rowing and they have these $100,000 carbon fiber shells and you can build these million dollar boathouses and there's all this other stuff you can spend money on. And they absolutely latched onto it. Um, and so suddenly you had, which was kind of strange, suddenly you have these um, kind of football factory schools like University of Alabama and, and Auburn and Texas and all these places where you never expect to see a whole lot uh, in terms of rowing or anything like that. Suddenly they have these women's teams, you know, <laughs> shiny boats and, you know, new gear and, you know, doing well. Um, and from a parent's perspective on a youth team, you know, you're told, you know, if you're a, if you have a daughter, if she's, you know, athletic and fit, maybe kind of tall, maybe she's doing swimming, maybe she's doing cross country. She needs to just drop all that and jump in a shell because okay. you can get scholarships, right. Um, and so at this point, there are a lot of, uh, nice new boathouses and big shiny programs for NCAA women's rowing. Um, men's rowing is not an NCAA sport. It's a club sport. Um, okay. So at, at these campuses, the women have the really cool boathouse and all the good equipment. And sometimes they'll share a corner of it with the men's club or whatever. Um, and yeah, the, uh, uh there will be a lot of listeners in the United Kingdom who will be recognizing the exact inverse of that story right. exactly. for um, university rowing in, in the UK. Um, well, yeah, I assume if you talk about the Ivy League schools in the US, which is kind of where rowing kind of did its thing, that, that I assume that was probably true there as well. Probably. I don't really know. Right. So there we go. The the power of equalities legislation um, to, to affect things, which is it's fairly remarkable. But at the same time, um, it's clearly done U.S. women's rowing a power of good. Um, James, 
I, I don't have any other questions for you. Um, if, if you just like to do like the standard thing at the end of a, uh, of a podcast interview, um, Exascreen, Road Biker, Pain Sled app, where can you find them? Where should people look for them? So Pain Sled uh, and Road Biker. Uh, Pain Sled iOS, there's Road Biker on iOS. Road Biker is if you're very, very interested in Zwift, not really interested that much in data collection, um, you're just more interested in the gamification aspect. Otherwise, Pain Sled is kind of the main app. Um, okay. There is a road a version of Road Biker on Android as well. We have a beta of Pain Sled, which essentially um, takes everything from Road Biker, which is this is not the same as iOS. Um, okay. But the current Android um, Pain Sled beta, it's an open beta. You can get it on the Play Store. Um, has everything in it that's in Road Biker. Has everything in it that's in Pain Sled other than um, we're still working on workout sync and some other stuff. Cool. Um, going forward, I did enough work on road biker that I'm happy. I know, I kind of know the good things to move. And so road biker will eventually go away and it'll just be pain sled again. And pain sled will have all the stuff in it from road biker that ended up being useful. That's kind of the vision. Awesome. So, your friendly neighborhood app stores just go in there, yep. paint sled, road biker, based on what you want. Yeah, send send me emails, support at extrascreen.com. We've got a uh some folks run a Facebook group for uh Zwifters rowing, rowing on Zwift. If you're interested in that, join that group. We'll get you going. Cool. Uh, we'll do see you out there on the virtual tarmac and or water. <laughs> Excellent. James, thank you very much indeed. Um, it's been a great chat. Much appreciated. Yeah, what a pleasure. I'm uh, looking forward to, to seeing what goes with this. Cool.